1: Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to The John Conn Report wherever you get your podcasts you're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, that's A-M-P-I-R-E, and of course you can read my work on ESPN.com, I'll have a story up later this week. After an interview I had with Jason Wright, team president, and then Ron Rivera at the owners' meetings in Phoenix, yeah, that's about a week ago, but it's all about like some of the excitement they have in looking forward and looking ahead for different reasons. A lot of it for Jason Wright has to do with the business that he feels will improve once this sale goes through. And I do talk, actually, I do have my conversation with Jason Wright that I'm going to play in a few minutes. Before I go on, I want to fill you in on a couple of things just about the draft and all that. But Jason and I do get into several topics regarding why he feels this change is going to be good. I mean, he definitely feels like there's a lot of benefit, as he says, on the other side of this. Why is that? You'll listen to what he has to say, where he thinks this franchise is going. A couple of things I did not get into is we talked a little bit about the stadium, did not get into the name because I don't, for, to be honest, it's, I don't feel like it's going, I don't think it's going to change based on people I've talked to. However, I also think that's a question for the new owner. So if they want to try and go down that road, again, I still have high doubts. I know people here talk about the expense of it, how it'd be, you know, we're talking probably 20 million or so, you know, and I know what you say about Jeff Bezos, but those guys don't spend money just to spend it. And then there's a lot of other things they have to go through. Anyway, that's a question for the new owner. So that's why we didn't get into that. I didn't ask him if he thinks the standards are really going to sell because they are. There's there's no reason for me to ask that question because they're going to sell. Nothing has ever pointed in a different direction since this process started. And you know, so and when you hear his answers, it's all under the assumption, not even the assumption, just it's just a hey, this is what's happening. That's when this is when this goes through, when this goes through, blah, blah, blah. So that's always a tax. So I don't need to ask him, do you think they're going to sell? Because every answer would suggest that, yes, he believes they're going to sell. So we didn't get into that. Anyway, just wanted to fill you in on that. So stay tuned for that in a couple minutes. And before I get there, I do want to go over some draft topics, starting with Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. He will be visiting the commanders later this month. How significant is this? Well, we do know that they would like to add another quarterback if possible. We do know that Ron Rivera did not cut that off as a possible first round pick. Still don't think they go. I don't think they go there in the first. I don't think they go there in the first round. Hooker is not a guy that they would be looking at at 16. I put this out on Twitter on um, Tuesday morning that he was going to be visiting. Some people kind of got upset. Like, why would you take him at 16? Well, they wouldn't. So I don't think you have to worry about that. But when you have these visits, these top 30 visits, it's for more than just the first-round pick that you have. You're looking at him for a variety of reasons. For for Hooker, a big part of the reason why he'd be coming here is because of his health. He's coming off a torn ACL. You're gonna want, they're going to want their doctors to examine him. He also hurt his shoulder during the season, his non-throwing shoulder. So is that an issue? When do they think he'd be ready? Now, it sounds like when you read reports or hear things, that by the start of the season, he'd be ready. However, that just means he's physically ready to then go play, but there's so much work he's going to have, he will have missed along the way that he would not really be ready to play. So what would you be getting in Hendon Hooker? And when would you plan for him to actually be a guy that not is only in your roster, but someone who could truly contribute. So that's part of why they want to bring him in there. They, you know, they have met with them. They did meet with him at the combine. And they did they like they like the kid. I think one reason why you're seeing kind of seeing his name creep into that first round discussion, late first round, is because teams are having a chance to bring him in the room and I think they like him and talking to him because the tape hasn't changed and the injury is what it is. We knew the injury was bad, but I think the more people talk to him, the more they like him. And maybe that's why. I don't think if to me, my comfort level with him would be if he's there in the third round, you grab him. Because I think that's really, really good value. If you add a second-round pick, I think then, I, late second-round pick, then I would be tempted because I think the sweet spot for him will be that I think if he's there in the third round, I'd be a little bit surprised, but but not, not, miss, not completely just because the injury makes this an unknown. And also his age, he's going to be 25 by the time the season starts. That's old for a rookie quarterback. So that's why I say like I would I would if you add a second round pick, then I think you're looking at maybe a spot where you could where he would make sense. And I think they're what they're kind of doing here is following that Ron Wolf philosophy. If you remember the former Packers general manager, who was kind of he, he believed that you should draft a quarterback, not necessarily every year, but he certainly did it every couple of years. And the reason why, because, and even when he had Brett Favre, I mean, first of all, you know, that's it's how they eventually ended up with Aaron Rodgers, that philosophy. But also, they got guys like Mark Brunell and all that that they would end up turning into draft picks somewhere else because they go out and play and they develop, and then they they could use that player as a trade chip to get something else. So that's what you do. And if you if you just develop, find a good backup, then you find a good backup, and you need that too. And I would say a franchise that has been looking for a quarterback for so long cannot cut anything off at this point. But again, I think if you look at hooker, it's really not to, it wouldn't be really to to push Sam Howell for this year if they went this route. And, I, and I'm just tight because we don't know, but at this point, it wouldn't be to push Howell this year. It's really to see, just get a guy in here that you, because they do, clearly they do like him because they want him to come in. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, even if you just wanted to check the health, you're not going to do that if you don't like him. So you could you if Howell hits then you're in good shape and if he doesn't then you have another guy that you think going forward might be someone worth watching who would have represented really good value as another guy who would have gone you know if Hooker doesn't get hurt going to go in the first round so probably i know you never can say definitively but based on what he was doing i think you, he would it would make sense now one little note i'm going to take a interrupt for a second here I did talk to Greg McElroy, ESPN college football analyst, about Sam Howell, about Hendon Hooker. I'm going to play that interview for you on Monday. But I just want to kind of give you a heads up since I'm talking about Hooker. He had some things to say. He knows him very well from having covered some of his games. And he covered a lot of Sam Howell's games. So I think he gave really good insight about what he felt the commander should do with quarterbacks in this draft. Anyway, back to to the discussion. One thing to keep in mind with those top 30 visits, is it doesn't always, it, it certainly connotes a certain level of interest. Sometimes they bring guys in knowing that you you may not have a chance to get this guy, but maybe he's a guy that you want to get to know a little bit more because at some point, these guys typically become free, whether it's they get cut or whether they're a free agent in a few years. It's, it's, you You would like to get to know some of these guys better. Also, some guys, maybe you're going to you know, you, they may not make sense for you at 16 and you may have a hard time getting them like at a certain spot in the second or third round, but maybe you trade back in the first round, that's more where you would get them. So you want to bring them in as well, just to be prepared. And, you know, I, as someone else pointed out on Twitter, but it's actually very true and I knew this and I think I'm glad they brought it back up because when Jahad Dotson was drafted, they didn't bring him in for a visit. Why not? Because they got everything they needed to know about him from his pro day in particular. I mean, they they liked his tape a lot, but that pro day really stood out for them. And it's not always about, oh, he ran a good route. Or he, they really, first of all, they really did like his routes because he was a mature route runner. But it's also the other things that you see, little things that you see um, when you're at the pro day that maybe the cameras aren't going to catch that you can see. Like Rivera, I remember talking to him about going to a pro day last year where he's watching a couple of guys and they're getting in and out, they're getting back in line, and one guy was always the fifth, would always run the fifth rep, always the fifth rep. The other guy would be, you know, usually the, you know, if he was the fourth rep, fourth rep, eh, maybe the sixth, eh, maybe the fifth. Somewhat inconsistency, kind of, which which would tell them that wasn't as, you know, quick getting back in the line. Why is that? What does that mean? And I think those are all little things that you look at. When you have these pro days and with with Dotson, certainly they came away highly, highly impressed. And it gives you a chance to talk to guys at that school about that player. How do they interact with teammates? How do teammates respond to him with quarterbacks? That's very important. And so anyways, so so while these visits are important, they don't tell the whole story. So take those for what they're worth, that it's a guy that they have interest in primarily. I'm guessing here they want to check him out. Is medically as much as anything. Another guy who's going to visit is Alabama safety, Brian Branch. Very intriguing player, versatile player. And one of the things that they would like about him is that he can play that Buffalo nickel. That's a position they want to fill. I think what you have to do here is look for clues about where they're going. Would they draft Branch 16? I, I have a hard time seeing that. However, he's a guy that they clearly like. And that's a spot they really want to, to add more power to You have Cam Curl, who can play there already. You also have Percy Butler as a deep safety. And you have Derek Force as well. So is it a huge need? No, but they definitely want to get someone else there. Keep in mind in this draft and the way safeties are being kind of groomed or playing in in college, that they're coming in maybe a little bit more ready to play that position in the NFL than they had been in the past. And with, with Branch, I like his versatility, ball hawking guy, but the other thing with this draft is, and one of the things I'd heard early on with this draft is that it's not as deep that a lot of guys came out last year, the year before, other guys sticking around. So this draft wasn't considered as deep as some other ones, but that's not true for every position. And one area that they, that that certainly some teams feel is good, and certainly this team would be in that category that this draft has good players who can fill that buffalo nickel later in the draft. So if they don't get a guy early, I do think they look for someone like that later. Clearly, they need to get another linebacker as well. And I still think with that first pick, you're looking offensive line, you're looking cornerback. Both those areas have really good players in that range. So that's why they both make sense. And it's in, those are areas that this team wants to attack. So, but what happens if they're not there? And they, to me, you trade back depending um, but I, you know, and the, i sorry, before I go back to that point, one thing to watch will be what kind of run is there on tackles? What kind of run is there on cornerbacks? If you start to see a run, then what, how does the team react? And will those guys like, cause there are some guys you might think, I think they might be there in the second round. You start to see that run and then you realize they may not be there. So you may need to get a guy sooner than you, than you wanted to, or, um, again, maybe you trade back add something, and then pick a guy there before you get to the second round. Don't count on those guys being there in the second round. Just something to watch. And I think tackle and corner are going to be areas to watch when it comes to making a run, and those are two areas that I think are very high on their list for that 16th pick. Would they go tight end? We've talked a lot about this. Um, I think, honestly, it depends on what else happens there because I think there are some. There's certainly some good tight ends available at that pick. Do they feel they have to go there? No, and I've told you time and again how much they like the guys they have. But the way you build a good roster is by adding really good players. So if there's a really good tight end there and there's not a tackle you want, there's not a corner you want, you know, what other spot you're going to go? Is there an edge guy that you want? Um, or, or, Or whatever. So what if there's a tight end there and he's the best on your board? Well, then you take him. And there are some guys that I think would intrigue them. I still wouldn't put it high on their list But I also, I'm not going to dismiss it. I mean, they've kept quarterback on there too. So why would you, you're not going to remove that position. But I do think, as I told you before, that it's a spot that you can address a little bit later in this draft if you really wanted to. And I do think one way they can help Sam Howell, first of all, bolster that line. That's why tackle or or guard um, makes the most sense in the first round. Guard, I think you trade back to do that. I wouldn't take that at sixteen. But tackle certainly is an option there because I think there's some intriguing guys. And Charles Leno, they haven't left tackle. But I do think that that's something they want to get another guy up front. And maybe it's the guy who could go inside and play guard for the first year, right? And then then you can move him out to tackle if you make a move with Leno. So it gives them some options. But I do think that offensive line is where they end up going. But where as, as I record this, it's what, April 4th? We've still got a few more weeks before we know for sure which way I think they're going to go, but I would not. You know, again with tight end, you know, would it would it shock me? No, um, but I because I think there. Are, but I do think there's other areas they'd like to address first. But what you can again, what you cannot do when you're building a roster, and while we, a lot of what we've heard of this offseason is roster building, is you do not discount take you don't you don't dismiss taking a good player just because you have some other young guys there. But I do know they like those young guys. So there you go. That's it from me. I will be back in a minute with my conversation with Jason Wright from the Combine, excuse me, from the owner meetings. Now, please be aware there's no video on this one. So this was just at a table in a room, did not use video, but I wanted to play it anyways because I think it's important for you to hear from the team president. That's why I'm playing it. So that's why I went a little bit longer on this part because so that way you get some video and it's me. Yay. But with Jason Wright, again, he's a team president. So I think you need to hear from him. Did you know the largest ropes course and zipline park in the country is right here in the DMV. Located in the heart of Montgomery County, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and ziplining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zip line under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground? Give axe throwing a try. With their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect for, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME 23 dc at checkout. That's KIME K-E-I-M 23DC. So there you have it, folks, climbing, zip lining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. That's www.theadventurepark.com and enter promo code kime 23 dc In general with the sale, Mm-hmm. What will this mean to the franchise and what you guys are trying to accomplish?
0: I think the last two and a half years we've been able to lay a foundation to rebuild the business. I mean, we took, this was not a uh, franchise that was operating under normal circumstances and it wasn't a healthy business. And so we spent the last two and a half years turning around that business, changing the trajectory of the season ticket member base from one that was um, ebbing, losing members to one that's now gained a lot of members over the last two years. Same thing with the sale of suites, same thing with sponsorships. You know, Largest sponsorship deal in team history this last year, a new naming rights deal on the practice facility. Um, uh, so it was about changing trajectory in the last two and a half years. What will happen after a transaction is that there will be additional business momentum. There will be growth in suite sales. There will be growth in sponsorship sales um, because there are people that were choosing not to do business with us that will choose to do business with us now. And we've built a professional, high-performing organization that can absorb that. I can't say that we could have, at the beginning, absorbed that momentum. We didn't have the right people. We didn't have the right processes. And there's still a few places in the business where, heading up to this, I'm like, guys, we got we to gotta get right. There are a couple of things that I'm still not quite happy with in our turnaround. I don't want to call out my leaders. Okay. They know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Everybody in the organization knows for sure what the three areas are that I am on, like white on rice, on a paper plate, in a snowstorm right now. Um, but the others, I'm really proud of. You know, there's so many areas that our ticket office is humming and running. Our sweet sales department is doing great. What Trista Langdon has done with our operations and um, having none of the issues at FedEx this last year that we had the previous year, you know, um, and that's just a product of her being here <laughs> and getting her arms around things that much sweat and toil to her. Um, I'm really happy with some of the areas. Others got to catch up.
1: You had yeah. said, too, I think, at Eric's press conference, there's nothing but upside.
0: That's place. right. That's right. Yeah, there's, there's nothing but upside on the other side of this. Um, and, and that's important. You know, fans don't care about the business. I care about the profit and loss statement. But they don't need to. Uh, they don't need to care about EBITDA. I want my people to care about EBITDA. But the reason all that matters is that that allows us to fund a championship franchise. So the things that our players need, whether it is expansion of... Uh, What I think is a great um, part of our nutrition program where we do blood work, custom blood work for all the guys that informs their diet and supplements and things like that. Um, uh, Next generation recovery technology, some things that we're looking into. Actually, I don't even want to give that away because it's a competitive advantage for us. There's some cool new technologies we're looking at. These are all things that we can invest more in more quickly when we're doing well as a business. That's the virtuous cycle. You sell out the stadium, you sell out the suites. a surplus of money that goes right back into the facilities the team and the players and then they play better and it's a virtuous cycle
1: and obviously when you say like you know um couldn't get certain things accomplished or done with sponsorships whatever because Mm -hmm. of whatever obviously that's people that want to do business with dan correct
0: yeah or or just not or just not have negative headlines about the team you know and to be associated with the brand there's lots of reasons how,
1: how often would you encounter that
0: it's frequent yeah it's frequent um but to our team's credit In the face of that, we still grew 15% year over year, 14% year over year in sponsorship last year. Signed the largest sponsorship deal in team history, larger than our naming rights deal um, with SeatGeek. So there was great progress and it's, it's these brands and these partners seeing who we are now instead of who we were purported to be and seeing clearly where we're going and how their experience interacting with us, the types of leaders we have today, the creativity and intellect with which we work are, are going to be the hallmarks of us in the future. And they've bought in now and believed in us. And I'm grateful to every single one of them because it feels great. I mean, at the beginning when we first got here, it was all just hope and change. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything. And even have the workforce that we were going to have here. I mean, we've turned over 80% of this workforce because we had to. Um, you know, so, so I didn't have anything <laughs> that we were selling, it was true just optimism then. Now we have a track record of really delivering, and um, I feel so grateful for these folks that believed in us f- before other folks did. Um, and it was just so affirming, and now we're about to um, see the better side of it. Okay. So
1: a new owner comes in. Mm-hmm. What, would be, what would you recommend as a first priority for them and re- what you know and what you'd want to get done?
0: I think the first thing is understanding what we need to do to fuel a championship. It has to be about winning. Right, so it's un- them getting a deep understanding of the roster building strategy that Ron and them are deploying, um, them understanding where uh, figuring out the right way that an owner should engage in that process, getting the operating norms together around the football side, um, determining the investments that are needed on the football side to make that happen and that's you know it's it 's a combination of you know, investing in needs for the players and performance and things like that, and also accountability.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't just write a blank check, like you're not winning, <laughs> you got you, you to produce. So it's, 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 I think it's first and foremost football. And that's quickly followed by a new venue because new venue changes the fortunes of a franchise quite literally in the profit and loss statement and in revenue growth in particular, um, but also in the fan experience, the way the players feel. A community asset that drives economic development for the area that's far and away the most important thing after that um, and then in the meantime we need to continue to run a highly professionalized business that supports both of those things
1: and with with that mean, you guys are doing a ton of work mm-hmm. how much can that expedite the process or do you feel like you may have to go back a little bit when a new person comes? you
0: definitely have to have the vision of a new ownership team however um, all the research and the work that's been done to date is, is additive. It's not wasted. It's not wasted. Right. It's not wasted. Um, and so, yeah, it's all beneficial and will allow us to, to move quickly.
1: And then what are, there, are there any other things like, like big decisions that would be made or, or anything besides that stuff?
0: Yeah, I think that, I mean, there are, there are, I feel like at this point on both Ron's side and my side, we're at a stage in this process where you, you don't make major decisions. Right because you're in that last lake. Um, uh, and we'll find ways to do things where we need to. Um, but yeah, gonna be, there's always a series of important things that need to be decided, whether that's members of my top team um, roles that I need to fill still. It could be major strategic decisions around coaching staff structure and front office structure for Ron. Like, there's lots of different things that hypothetically it could be. Those are the types of things that ownership at least should be aware of. Um, So we'll see what those are. And we'll have them lined up. I mean, the best thing for us to do is listen to ownership, understand why they bought the team at the heart level. Yeah. Like, what was the motivation? What do they hope to see? What is their aspiration for this so that we can start to align the way we work around that?
1: They also have to get the fans back. How would you you go about doing that? I mean, the first thing
0: is winning. I mean, I would argue Sunday night against the Giants, the fans were back. Yeah. We just didn't win that game. They can be back again. These fans want us to do well.
1: Is there anything in addition to that, because of all that's happened, mm-hmm. and I'm sure some fans are gonna have like PTSD or whatever. Yes. So how can you move past that? Is it just time, or is there anything else that can be done when a new owner comes in to again?
0: I to think, I'm sure there are a lot of things that can be done. You know, there's, There are ways that we can better highlight what we've been doing in the community. And I think under new ownership, some of that stuff gets more light of day. Um, doesn't get drowned out by other news articles or things that pop up. Um, it's happened a couple of times. Yeah, it has. It has. I would, I would say there's some great work that our team has done over the last two and a half years that haven't seen the light of day. It's okay, though, because you do it because it's the right thing. You, know?
1: you were hired by the Snyders. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of weird for you because you're talking about looking forward and the excitement for the future <laughs> yeah. while still dealing with them um, on a you know however regular business yeah. is that what's but they're they
0: they aligned with that too you know they know that the business is going to get better on the other side of this you know they're not they're not dumb they recognize that and so it's um uh, it's congruent you know and uh, and they want us to be successful as a franchise they don't want us to fail they're not going to sell the team like ooh I'm rooting against them I'm turning into a Cowboys fan no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you think they have accepted what they have to do? I mean, I guess they're at the point, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, they're grown folks. Yeah. They're grown folks. Um, and so it's, it's, just the, it's just the right thing to do at the right time.
1: And on, on Friday, I'll be back with Liz Clark from The Washington Post. She is retiring this week. Hell of a career for her and she's obviously been an instrumental figure the last couple of years when it comes to coverage of the commanders, and she did cover the Redskins back in the day. So, wanted to bring her on to talk about that, and as I told you, I'll have Greg McElroy on Monday. Love talking to Greg. Fantastic insight into a lot of players. Really good, t- we talked for a little bit on Sam Howell. I think you're going to enjoy that, and, and I think he gives, you saw him play a lot. I and mean, he's got some good takes on him, and I think some honest takes on him and and he does like them. So there you go. Anyway, that's it from me. I will, I appreciate you tuning in and I'll talk to you next time.